social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jen. We are here, but still not physically together. <laughs> here in spirit. Also in spirit, we want to dedicate this episode to my nanny who passed away this weekend. Love her very much. Love you, nanny. How do you transition from that? That's what I was just about to say. <laughs> okay, let's do it. So Starbucks is considering leaving the Facebook platform. And the reason why is pretty interesting. We know that there are different types of people and different audiences across different social platforms. And Starbucks is finding that the comments that people are leaving on their posts about racial and social justice issues are very hateful and intolerant. And they're not getting that same type of feedback on other networks. So it's really reflective of kind of the type of people on the platform. Right. And you'll also remember that last year, Starbucks was one of the many companies that participated in the Stop Hate for Profit campaign, yep. which really wanted to put pressure on Facebook themselves to take a harder stance on racism and just hateful content in general. Yeah, it's been about a year since then, and we haven't heard much since, so I wonder if this will be another catalyst. Another thing that Facebook is getting pushback on is Instagram for kids. So they wanted to roll out an app that was, you know, like Instagram for kids 13 and younger. And more than 40 attorneys generals from different states across the country have written a letter and petition saying that that was not a good idea. It's interesting because when you think about social media and the impact it has on mental health, there's also this thought around privacy in general. And yeah. sharing at such a young age on the Internet is really formative and can leave such a paper trail for these kids You're totally throughout right. their, the rest of their lives. Although I do wish I still had my hands on some like cringy 13-year-old photos of myself. Oh my goodness. You know how bitter I am that I can't get into my MySpace page to get some of those emo <laughs> selfies, but I would that's have a story loved, for another time. <laughs> I would have loved TikTok in middle school. On the subject of TikTok, there is a beta test for Gen Z to use the platform to find jobs. Have you heard about this? I have, and I think I saw that you'll be able to pin your resume to your profile. Yes. It's, well, it's kind of like LinkedIn in that way, huh? Have you seen all those videos on TikTok? And maybe this is just because of the industry we're in. But even last night, I saw one for a girl who made her own commercial for Sabra Hamas because she was an aspiring filmmaker and had posted all these cool TikToks making commercials for random products. And Sabra reached out to her to make one for them. So I feel like companies are already like sneakily trying to like find <laughs> ways to get these tiktokers to make content for them and i wonder if this is like part of that i mean it makes so much sense as a content creator it's basically your portfolio why yeah. not slap your resume there too even if it's just a link that adds it as a pop-up i think it's actually really useful and kind of cool i know i definitely would hire someone through tiktok you tried, tried. <laughs> i did post a video looking for copywriters i do love that you did that michelle thank you so today we actually talked to our guests a little bit about TikTok, too. There's been an influx of money advice on that platform and other social media networks, and it's interesting to get her perspective. Her name is Kate Wauk, and she is the VP of Communications at Wealthfront. Wealthfront is an online investing service that helps users build and manage their portfolios with a focus on automation. I actually found this interview really interesting because I just started my investment journey last year. And now I'm inspired to start mine. <laughs> so let's listen to the interview. Hi, Kate. Hello. How are you guys? We are good. Welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you. I'm very excited to be here and, and chat with you both. We're happy to have you. We're going to jump right into our social media speed round. Are you ready to answer some quick questions? I'm ready. Let's do it. What's your favorite social network? I'm sort of an aspiring Gen Z. I'm unfortunately <laughs> a millennial myself, but due to that, I'm currently just obsessed with TikTok. Do you pronounce it GIF or JIF? GIF. What Instagram ad can you not get rid of? Oh man, this is going to be embarrassing <laughs> and definitely probably telling of my age i've been getting haunted by botox and fertility mm. ads like, oh like, yes what is your go-to emoji it kind of varies but i feel like lately i've been using the sunglass emoji who is your favorite celebrity to follow on social um oh, that's a good one I don't know if this counts as a celebrity, but I'm newly obsessed with It's Me Tinks. Tinks, oh have you heard yes. of her? I also love her and I have her adult sippy cup in my Amazon cart. Oh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> I don't know who this is. She's big on TikTok. She's really cool. Yeah, she does this like whole rich mom meme mm -hmm. of every sub pocket of major cities and they're just so funny. So I've been really into her lately. Stories or feed? Definitely stories. Okay, last one. What was your first screen name? Oh my gosh. I think it was something like Kiki Baby 222. <laughs> my, my nickname is, for better or for worse, Kiki in some varying circles. I'm... I have nieces and nephews and they all call me Aunt Kiki now. Um, so it's a name that I, I, haven't that. Been able to, I haven't been able to get rid of. It sounds cuter <laughs> coming from a three-year-old. Yep. But yeah, I think it was it was Kiki Baby and some numbers after it. So that's This is me. my new favorite <laughs> question. I love the screen name question. It's so, I, like, know. I love how vulnerable people are. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to hear about the start of your career because we know you've been at Wellfront for almost six and a half years. Yeah. So give us like an overview of your journey so far. The funny thing is I sort of fell into a career in PR and marketing mm. pretty blindly, honestly. I studied economics and business in college and I really didn't know what PR was or much about marketing. I think I took like one marketing class. But after college, I was living in DC. That's where I went to school. And I just really wanted to move to New York City and, you know, sort of live that New York dream. Oh, yeah. yeah. So a friend of mine got me an interview at a large global communications agency called Burson Marsteller. And despite knowing literally nothing about PR, they hired me. I'm not sure why. And when I say I knew nothing, that is not an exaggeration. I think, I think <laughs> truly like into a year of my job, if you'd asked me what year was, I don't think I'd be able to give you a coherent answer. No, I was like doing deck work and stuff like that. So I really wasn't getting a true taste from mm -hmm. the get go. But once I actually had the chance to you know, work with reporters, to create narratives, to pitch, I really, really loved it. And so, you know, for me, there was like nothing more rewarding than placing a story or coming up with a really good angle for something. Yeah. And so once it clicked, it felt like I had really kind of found my calling. Everything kind of spun up from there. You know, that after that, I went to work at a boutique tech PR firm called Brew PR. And that's actually where I was introduced to Wealthfront. This was about 2012. The mission of Wealthfront just made so much sense to me because mm -hmm. I had been working with brands like Merrill Lynch and Bank of America. And I just did not see myself in those traditional mm -hmm. industries. And here was this company, you know, really trying to bring investing to everyone, you know, people like me who barely knew how to save at that point. And sure. so it really clicked for me. And I was just very 
obsessed with the company and the team. And I think, you know, probably like six months in sort of begging them to hire me, but they're like, <laughs> we're 12 people. We don't really need a full-time comms person yet. So they finally listened a few years in and, and I moved out to the Bay Area to join full-time and, and build out comms there and have then kind of expanded my role to do some marketing as well, which has been really fun. I feel like it's the best of both worlds with your degree and then your first job yeah. kind of combining it and making use out of it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think it's not obvious that studying econ would help in a marketing or comms role, but I think going through that helped me kind of think about the big picture. Yeah. You know, studying macroeconomics is really like a very high level function and it's a lot of theory and things like that. And so it, it really trained my brain to pull myself out of the weeds and think big picture, which has been really instrumental, I think, in a lot of things that I've done. Well, it's interesting you say the big picture too, because I was thinking about even your title and communications is such a broad term. Yes. Um, but one thing I wanted to ask you about is you mentioned that you didn't always see yourself in a traditional big bank finance role, but the world that you're in is still finance, is still tech. Mm -hmm. and they're very male dominated. So what has it been like for you working in this more male centric industry? I really, you know, love a challenge. You know, it has not been easy. And I'd definitely be lying if I painted this rosy picture yeah. that, you know, everything has just been a joy and wonderful to experience. Um, I've had my fair share of frustrations and bad situations. And unfortunately, sometimes still do. Mm -hmm. But the thing I think I learned really early on, and so like what I would share for someone who's kind of early on in their career is that, you know, if you're in a situation where you're finding that people are assuming you're the assistant at a conference or in a meeting, or people are treating you like a personal assistant, like happened to me a lot of the time, the way that I took that is I let it kind of fuel my fire. Yeah. And so I found that those situations kind of pushed me to be smarter, to, you know, get the courage to speak up in a meeting, to say something really insightful and therefore yeah. demand respect. And I'm not going to lie when I say it took a lot of energy in the beginning, mm -hmm. but once you do it one time and you get that reward and you see heads turn, it really <laughs> is worth it. And so I think mustering up that courage to say something in the meeting and get your right. point across. I think right. can be really fruitful. And once you do it once, you know, it becomes more natural. It's the idea of owning the room and feeling yeah. comfortable doing so. I love hearing the fuel the fire thing. I feel yeah. like that's really good advice. And I want to move into more advice based stuff because I feel like there's a lot that you can share with us, especially around money and finance and how you're bringing that to life through Wealthfront's communications tactics. It feels correlated to me in a way since we're talking <laughs> about advice for women and advice yeah. for young millennials. So tell us a little bit more about the approach right now. There's been this influx of money advice across every single platform. Mm -hmm. I feel like every day I scroll on TikTok and I see another thing that's supposed to guide me to managing my finances and better. A lot of them have come out as being not true. true. Yes. So how are you, you know, giving that advice through Wealthfront and what's your opinion on this like influx of money <laughs> advice on social media? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think that the influx of money advice on social media is actually a really positive thing. Mm -hmm. Just getting that conversation started has been the hardest part 
the rise of this type of content is finally getting us over that hurdle. Yeah. You know, we're finally seeing conversations about money being normalized. Yes. And I'm really, really excited about that push. It's on you to do the research of, yeah. is this advice good advice? The rule of thumb is if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So <laughs> do your research. But I think the fun thing about building money content is that it's always relevant. I really like the approach we've taken at Wealthfront because when we think about building content, we're not trying to take it too seriously. We acknowledge that it can be boring. We acknowledge that it can be stressful. And so, yeah, so I think acknowledging those emotions from the get-go helps you when you're creating this content, think about ways to break it down that are memorable and relatable. And social is a really amazing platform for that, right? I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask about the approach to marketing to these millennial customers that it appears like you're trying to target specifically. Yes. Yeah. Tell us about the tactics though that you're using. Finances is it's such a hard, large topic as you've already established. So <laughs> right. How do you tell that story succinctly or simply? Yeah, it's definitely been a challenge. And I think we're finally sort of coming into this sweet spot of how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that we've really learned is being as straightforward as possible yeah. is actually the best approach versus trying to be too cute, trying to be overly creative with how you're presenting the information. And so like a really simple example I'll give you that's worked really well for us is just on Instagram doing a fun word of the day. I was just going to bring that so up. So we just pick one word that's usually like some type of financial jargon, like ETF or capital gains. And we really clearly define it for folks and use it in a sentence. Mm -hmm. And so like just doing something super simple that helps our audience come away feeling like they just got a teeny bit smarter yep. has been a really great approach. And I think people try to explain too much at once and, yeah. it, and you just sort of <laughs> come away with nothing. Yeah. And so we've taken a very bite-sized approach that we've seen work really well for us. Well, I feel I feel like I'm constantly going to Investopedia to look up words yes, like exactly. that and, and better understand it. <laughs> and as you know, following Wealthfront on Instagram and even just scrolling through the feed right now, I'm encouraged to follow more money advice on social in general because that's so great when you're just scrolling, you can take a little bit of something Learning that something. you've learned yeah. um, and be a little more proactive about it instead of me Googling Investopedia. And then all those things eventually come together, right? right. Like once you have the words, you start to understand what you're reading about those words. Yes. So it's important to get the 101 down. We have to ask this question, mostly because it was a hot topic for us within our agency for a while, but when everything about GameStop was going through Reddit, <laughs> what was going through your mind as social media was lit up about this? So it may surprise you that I was very excited by it, actually. Oh, um, yeah. Not the answer I expected. I know, I know. But the reason is the more people that even know what the stock market is, the better. <laughs> And so I think like, do I think that all of this craze around meme stocks and GME is the right way to build long-term wealth? No. But I think, you know, most of these people are in their 20s. So if they lose some money, they have, you know, the next 40 years to make up for that. And they'll at least know what the stock market is. And that piques their curiosity and hopefully then leads them to a service like Wealthfront. So mm -hmm. I'm betting that in the next three years, like we'll actually reap the benefits from this craze when people realize that, hey, I don't have every minute of every hour to trade stocks yeah. <laughs> and read Reddit and, and do all these things. I think on the flip side, for some people, it probably makes the stock 
market feel even more isolating and polarizing right. because you're like, what the heck is Reddit? What is a meme stock? What is hashtag GME? <laughs> yeah. But so I think that presents an even more interesting opportunities to talk to those people too and say, what WTF is going on? So are we. <laughs> like, come, come follow Wealthfront and we'll explain it to you, but you really don't need to worry about it. Right, right. Well, I think like a nugget of what you said is when it was trending, it suddenly made just the stock market and the idea of this trading and making money more accessible, even if people are not quite understanding it. And I want to yeah. talk about access a little bit, especially with women. And, you know, historically, there's the misconception or stigma that men are controlling the finances. So tell me about Wealthfront's approach to creating more access for people to understand what they're doing with their money. Yeah. So this is something that's been really important for us from day one. And yeah. the way that we approached that was, you know, we took a look at the financial industry. And when you really take a deep look, you realize that it is purposefully positioned to be confusing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you feel so overwhelmed that you go pay some financial advisor a ton of money to do it for you because yep. you think there's no way I can ever do this on my own. And so the first step we took was, aside from just our product, which lowered minimums and lowered the fee so that anyone can use it, we just, we rewrote everything and we rewrote it all in plain language and, yeah. mm -hmm. and just explained things in in just normal concepts. And I think it, making it feel less intimidating has to go hand in hand with access because even yeah. if that access is there and you still feel overwhelmed, you're not, you're going to be sort of paralyzed, right? And, and you're not going to act on it. So that was a really big piece. And I think I've been actually really encouraged that lately I'm seeing the a shift in our Instagram follower count to mm. growing on the female side. Awesome. And that is like the most exciting thing for yeah. me. This has been something that I've just been so personally passionate about because I've seen personally what Wellfriend has done for my own finances and just my own knowledge around money. And I want every woman to feel that empowered. And so I've been like tracking the split between male and female and like pinging the team every day, like we're higher, we're higher. <laughs> so I'm finally seeing things shift, which makes me really encouraged. It's so funny because we were getting drinks with a friend recently and we we're, we're sitting around and we were all talking about our finances and like, should we be investing in these conversations that were like, why have we never talked, talked about, about this, this before? before? You know, uh, yes. together with friends, it's just a normal conversation. And I feel like platforms like Wealthfront and your communications on social media too help inspire and get people talking about it right. and thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing I would share is like, you can do this. Yeah. It can be very easy. And just the first step is not being afraid and getting yourself involved. And after you do that, it's actually pretty easy. I want to talk about influencers. So you tease it a little <laughs> bit up front and thinking about, you know, these millennials like us and your target audience. I imagine it's incredibly niche to find an influencer who one, you know, has the qualifications that you're looking for, but then also in an industry that's more regulated, betting these people mm -hmm. can be tough. Yeah, good point. <laughs> so tell us about your influencer journey and how it's going. I'm having so much fun with this program. I think what I've found is there's this really big growing community of young people who are really interested in personal mm -hmm. finance and really passionate about educating folks. And so mm -hmm. that's sort of been our bar. We need someone who's really passionately and genuinely into these topics. 
yeah. to help us tell our story. And so we probably have a slightly different bar than some other industries and companies because of that. But I've been amazed to see how many actually fall into this category and, and new ones are popping up every day. And just the excitement that they have around our brand has also been really mm-hmm. rewarding. And they just, they can tell our story so much better than we can, which is <laughs> on the regulatory front, it's similar hurdles that we have to face with just general advertising. Yeah. And I think we're all pretty used to those at this point. So we have systems in place that make sure we follow all those rules and regulations. I think the biggest challenge is using disclosures on everything. So that can <laughs> obviously be a big challenge with character limits, yep. but our compliance team has been fantastic actually at brainstorming ways to, to make that fit. When most people think about influencers, and I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking this, they think of food or beauty or fashion, you know, and that can be easy to create content for because it's very visual and beautiful. What kinds of things are these influencers you're working with posting and what does that content look like for you? Yeah. So I think we, we definitely had the benefit of taking all the learnings that we've received on our own Instagram channel Mm -hmm. and applying that to the influencer program. And so it's pretty much the same standards of being just very straightforward, explaining concepts. So it's much more of an educational approach than probably your other industries, which are really Mm. very blatantly trying to sell you something. Right. It feels more show and tell at that point. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I think by taking this educational approach, it's been really rewarding. And I've been very surprised just to see what the appetite is out there for financial content. And so I feel like we've only really scratched the Mm -hmm. surface with it and, and have a long way to go. So I'm really excited about this channel in particular. Business influencers in general is just a whole other category subset that people don't normally think about. Just thought leadership on LinkedIn is influence. And we hear you're working on a clubhouse room, perhaps. (gasps) Oh, yeah. (laughs) For another business influencer. (laughs) I still have to name it, so I can't properly plug it yet. But I'm working on building a club and a weekly series with our CEO, Andy Rackloff, which I'm very, very excited for. So he has a career in venture capital. He was a founding partner of Benchmark Capital, which is you know one of the biggest VC firms in Silicon Valley. And so he just has this really great network of folks that he can bring on. And so he's committed a weekly series, which I'm very excited by, to yeah. bring on, <laughs> wow. you know, sort of just world famous investors and have them impart their wisdom on, you know, best practices and how to think about investing in various capacities. So I'm learning so much about Clubhouse right now. And it's a whole <laughs> new world. And it's just been fascinating. I mean, the people on that platform are so passionate. So the amount of access that Clubhouse has brought is actually crazy to me. Just thinking about all of these well-known folks who are sharing their voices Mm -hmm. in this space so regularly, it's insane for me to wrap my head around. (laughs) I know. And that was actually the thing that Andy in particular loves so much about it because Mm -hmm. he really loves this idea of access. You know, Wellfront is, I think, the epitome of that. And so... He got really excited. He's like, well, when else will just people be able to ask people I bring on questions and get to talk with them? This is amazing. So true. So I'm really excited to get that going. I think we'll probably launch it in May. So the clubhouse sounds really exciting. Is there anything else coming up um, that you want to tell us and our listeners about? 
Yeah, well, I think um, I think by the time this publishes, we'll have a really exciting new product out. Oh, yeah. So I'm very excited for this one. We're actually opening up our investment platform to let you either build your own portfolio with basically selected ETFs that our research team has carefully vetted. And so what that will let you do is invest more in categories like socially responsible investing. Oh, very oh, cool. cool. Yeah. So if you're, or if you're feeling, you know, really bullish on tech, we have a group for that. So it kind of opens up more of this uh, category approach, which I'm excited for, because I think it was something that we're really proud of is people are actually learning more by using Wealthfront. And now they're like, Hey, I want to invest a little more in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you let yeah. me do that. So we'll be letting people do that. And then where we're sort of headed with this is that we're eventually going to allow you to invest in things like Bitcoin and Ethereum as well, wow. but in a much, in a much more responsible, well-front <laughs> focused way. So I'm really excited for those developments. I think there's so many things out there people are looking at and want to get in on and having someone tell you how to do it the right way, I think is going to be very important. So we're very excited for that. It's really interesting to me because I feel like even I don't invest, I need to, but I wouldn't know where to start. I mean, my my investing journey is very random. I just (laughs) have chosen companies that I somehow have found some attachment to. (laughs) Right. And that's not uncommon, right? And so I think what we're finding is that's, that's really common for people to start with. And then having someone tell you, mm-hmm. actually, this is really risky. You should add a couple of more things to balance that out or, or no, this is great. Right, you know, like right. that's kind of where we can come in and play a really interesting role. And so I'm very excited to see how people react to that. That's awesome. Jen, you, you'll get in on that. <laughs> yeah. I spent half of the pandemic last year trying to explain to my friends why everyone needed to get into investing, but I had no idea what I was saying. It was such <laughs> bullshit, but it was just because I had read a couple of articles and had like picked it up as a quarantine hobby. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a start. See, you just it was you a start. started. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was fabulous. Thank you guys. I really enjoyed chatting with you. So thanks for having me. Ever since we recorded this episode, I am deep into investing TikTok. I am not as deep, but I would like to be because I feel like you're a little bit farther along than me in your investing journey. Investment journey. journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's intimidating to start. You know, I feel like growing wealth is something that's a long game and it takes a lot of time. You can't make money overnight unless it's, you know, a GameStop thing. (laughs) But for people who are making these decisions to put money that they might not have a lot of somewhere that they don't know anything about, it's scary. So I think what Wealthfront is doing to, again, educate people and put it in terms that they understand is very, very, very valuable. No, I was going to say, I think the truest form of word of mouth is through social. So it's basically like me talking to you about my first steps into investing but making the content a little bit more shareable. I mean, I'll send you some of the TikToks that I'm seeing if you really want. Okay, sure. (laughs) Don't sound so enthused. (laughs) Okay, so moving into the account we want you to follow this week, David's Bridal has launched a YouTube live channel where they're streaming wedding videos 24-7. I am obsessed with this. I think it's so fun. I remember 
when I studied abroad, my friend Liz and I, obviously we didn't have a TV or cable, and we watched YouTube videos of wedding videos. And we were not looking to be married, not engaged or planning a wedding, but it was just so entertaining, and I love seeing people in love. So this is running currently. Like, I can just Mm -hmm. log on and watch numerous wedding videos back to back to back. Right now. Amazing. (laughs) I love love. Me too. (laughs) All right. Love you all. On that note, hugs and kisses to everyone. All the social ladies. All the social ladies. All the social ladies.